Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. This week, Pastor Joel is starting a study in the book of Psalms. This week, we're in Psalm 16 and Acts 2 with a message through ancient gates. Today, we begin uh, a season in the book of Psalms. Um, Like I said, it's one of my favorite uh, books. If you have a Bible, uh, you can open to Psalm 16. If you don't, there's a Bible in front of you. It's on page 423 in the Pew Bible. Uh, Psalm uh, 16, we're going to open our series uh, from Psalm 16. Psalms is this beautiful mix of theology and emotions. It's where the head and the heart are both moving you in some way. We we have it in music uh, all the time. Uh, In the Psalms, you move in and out of uh, speaking directly to God and bearing a witness to other people and calling other people to praise him as well. Uh, and it addresses different people at different times, which is sometimes uh, hard uh, to figure out. You have to slow down a little bit. Uh, the Psalms are meant to be sung in a community uh, just like this. It, they have been for thousands of years, sung in uh, communities that are following after the Lord just like this. So Psalm 16 starts like this. Psalm 16, a miktam of David. And already we're a miktam. What's that mean? And nobody knows what it means. Uh, It's actually translated right from the Hebrew. We don't know what it means. And so uh, a lot of guesses. It's probably some kind of musical term uh, as the Psalms were meant to be sung. So maybe this is David's to this tune uh, of it. Uh, But the great preacher Spurgeon he, he thought it had to do something uh, more with the Hebrew root word, uh, which means uh, precious or secret. So he entitled this psalm when he preached it, uh, Psalm 16, the psalm of the precious secret of David. The precious secret of David. And I hope as we get to the end of the message today that you'll see, oh, I see this precious secret uh, of David. Uh, normally, we have people stand as we read God's Word, but I'm actually going to just to sit today, uh, and instead of reading it, we're going to have the psalm sung over us, okay? Uh, it's meant to be sung, so we have a, a video. You can follow along with the words as uh, Psalm 16 is sung over us. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge I say to the Lord You are my Lord I have no good apart from You Apart from You As for the saints in the land They are the excellent Sorrows of those who run 
Psalms are meant to move you. That's what music uh, does. Let's, let's pray. Lord, uh, as we come to your Psalms, we need to be spiritually awoken. Lord, the, the busyness of the days, the spring break activities coming up, uh, everything kind of lulls us into uh, the next thing. Lord, would you use this morning to awaken our spirits, to have your psalms uh, sung over us, to us, by us, Lord, that we would know you even better. So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we could see you. You'd open our ears, that we could listen and hear. And Lord, would you come and move our hearts and shape them in such a way that we know and love you better as we leave today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's a, a, a nice psalm I listened to uh, several dozen times this week, uh, but it reminded me of that's probably a very Western way uh, that psalm would have been sung. In, in fact, uh, I found another way that this psalm would have been sung uh, in Aramaic, uh, and it would have been a much different feeling, and it would, uh, the emotions would, would grip you uh, a little different. can't understand Aramaic, so let me tell you. Preserve me, O God, for I find my refuge in you. I have no good apart from you. The saints in the land, they're the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God, it will multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out. Or take their name upon my lips. The Lord, Yahweh, is my chosen portion in my cup. Lord, you hold my life. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole body being rejoices. My flesh also, it dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Beautiful, isn't it? It moves you. The Psalms for me began as a journey over a decade ago as I was sitting in a seminary class on the book of Psalms. And honestly, the Psalms for me, it meant this poetic, crazy drama, uh, just this random uh, assembly of these uh, 
poems and prayers that I didn't really understand or think it maybe even wasn't worth the time and effort to untangle the emotions with the poetry and the imagery. It just took so much uh, time to discover. It reminded me of being back in my humanities class in college when I was studying Shakespeare. And I'm like, would he just tell us what he wants us to know? Why, why use all this poetry and imagery? It was in that class that Dr. Lubeck actually handed us these keys to this, these ancient doors that opened to the book of Psalms. That began a long journey for me of reading dozens of books on psalms, uh, on memorizing some of the psalms, praying the psalms over and over, seeing the psalms as this kingdom that just invited me to come in and explore. The book of Psalms is so dear to so many people. I mean, I've even heard it even this last week. I'm so excited we're doing the psalms. It's one of my favorite books. You know, it was the first book that was printed on the Gutenberg Press? The Gideons, when they hand out their New Testament Bibles, always include the Psalms with them because there's something so precious and powerful and meaningful in the book of Psalms. The New Testament writers thought so too. 41% of the quotes in the New Testament about the Old Testament are from the Psalms. 41%. Almost every other quote in the New Testament is referring back to the Psalms. And Jesus himself either has direct quotes or these direct allusions to the Psalms more than 50 times in the Gospels. There's something powerful in the Psalms. It was said of the Reformation that, that Romans really gave Luther his theology, the weight, but it was the Psalms that gave him the fuel and the passion that moved it. But why is it so meaningful? Why is it so Powerful. Why do so many people are attracted to the Psalms? Well, I want to spend today, this is an introduction message, uh, hopefully giving you a, a key or just a glimpse into this kingdom of the Psalms, these, through these ancient gates that you can see, you can explore for yourself. Like a, they're like a, a childhood blanket that you reach for when you're sad or you're lonely. It's, the Psalms are like, like a quilt that you, you grab when you're afraid or you just need some, some rest. You know, my, my grandma made quilts. I know several ladies here make uh, quilts as well. A quilt is actually a great image for the book of Psalms. Uh, our neighbor made us this one. It's not, I mean, it's a quilt, but it's a table runner. It's not big enough to cover you. Uh, she brought this over to us as a thank you gift during COVID. Uh, Amy arranged a neighborhood dance party uh, in our driveway, six feet apart with signs and everything. We had all of our neighbors come out, and only a few of us danced. I didn't dance. I just stood there. But it, we got everyone together. And so our neighbor, a couple doors down, as a thank you for that, of just getting her out of the house, uh, brought us this, this quilt over. Uh, it means a lot to us because we don't really know that neighbor uh, that well. It was a really special uh, gift to us. Well, well, Psalms is like this quilt, uh, and I want to. I want to. I don't know much about quilting, uh, and you'll you'll see that. But but I, I want to show uh, three things that I've seen in uh, this quilt. I think that we can all uh, relate to. Uh, in this quilt, uh, there there are there are three areas that I would say. And for those of you who do quilts, just be patient with me. Uh, 
there are these different fabrics that are in there. There's red and blue. There's a flower uh, design. There, there's all these different fabrics and shapes uh, in this. And, and each one of them has an origin story or, or, or where it came from. Now, you can't just go to the fabric store. I think there's still fabric stores out there. Uh, and you can just grab a bunch of fabric. But I've also heard of people actually taking um, uh, shirts or uh, pillowcases or, or curtains and, and taking those and cutting them up and also adding those on as well. Uh, Alice did it with, where's Alice at? With jeans. No, Alice made one with jeans from people here at Hollyview. Uh, and so each one of those pieces of fabric has an origin or story or meaning, context in it. Uh, but then you'll see, and I don't think you can probably see it, but you can probably imagine, there's this little white stitching all through the, the quilt. It's the seams of the quilt. Uh, there is a way that our neighbor took these, all these pieces of fabric that they had gotten, put them somewhere, and arranged them, and then sewed them together. So I actually see our neighbor's handiwork all through this, this quilt and all these... Um, seams that they're in there. Now the last part of it, so you have the fabric itself, you have the seams all through it, the stitching uh, holding the quilt together, but then if you step back you see the whole design of it. You would not say our neighbor just threw a bunch of fabric down and stitched it up, right? There's an order, there is a design to it. You see why the blue are in the middle or, or, the, or the reds on the outside. She put this together with an intent or purpose. You can see the pattern, right? You can see a pattern to it. Well, Psalms is just like a quilt. Uh, there are 150 uh, Psalms, 150 uh, pieces of fabric in the Psalms, uh, they're written over about a scan of about a thousand years by different people. Uh, so these are Psalms that they picked up over and over again and sung and became part of uh, who they were. This, this fabric was, was there. It has different moods and genres and writers. But then someone took all of those Psalms and put them together, arranged them in a particular way, and then stitched them together. And then you have the pattern or the picture that emerges in the book of Psalms, which is probably one of the things we least see. Uh, but if you saw the whole of the Psalter, you would see this, this uh, picture emerge and you would see Jesus. That, that Psalms is actually all about Jesus. Well, I want to take just a few minutes here, and I want to go over each of those three uh, areas of the Psalms, like a, like a quilt. We'll see the individual Psalm. We'll see the, the seams, the stitching, in the, in the Psalter, and then we'll see the picture that emerges from the Psalms. And hopefully even these few pieces, as we enter into the season of the Psalms, is, is you'll be able to explore this beautiful image in the book of Psalms. So here's the first one, the individual uh, Psalms. There's 150 Psalms, uh, which you might know, and, and usually you think of David as the one who wrote them, and he did. He wrote a huge portion of them. Uh, actually, 73 of them are accredited to David. There's another 12 that are in dispute if he actually wrote them or not. It's the same, same style. Uh, there's 12 of them that were written by this family called Asaph, uh, which were like worship leaders in the, the temple. Another 11 were the songs of Korah, uh, another ancient family that did worship in the temple. Uh, there are two 
Psalms credited to Solomon, so David's son. There was one from Ethan. So Ethan's name is in the Bible. Ethan, there you are. He got his name in the Bible. Uh, there's one He-Man. It's, it's H-E-M-A-N. Uh, so not He-Man like we grew up with. Different He-Man. Uh, and then there's 50 that we really don't know who, who wrote these. Uh, they, they span about 1,000 years. The very first psalm that was written was the Psalm of Moses which is about 1300, 1400 BC. And the last Psalms that we have are, are somewhere either in uh, exile in Babylon or just shortly after. You can look in Psalm 137 and see one of the Psalms that they wrote actually in Babylon, by the rivers of Babylon. There we, we sat. They're written by people living life in a space and time and context, experiencing the highs and lows of what it means to be a human. And from these emotions, these experiences, by the power of the Spirit, they, their heart overflows to pen these psalms. Let me just give you one example of uh, the context of these psalms. If, if you have a Bible, or you can just jot, jot this down. In 2 Samuel 22, we're at the end of David's life. And he's beaten all of his enemies. Uh, he is feeling victory. And uh, it says this in Psalm, 2 Samuel 22 and verse 1. It says, And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he goes on and he, and he prays uh, this prayer, sings this, this song to the Lord. And just as an example, in verse 4 it says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Well, if you read all of 2 Samuel 22, you'll actually find it like almost cut and paste, so the few differences, in Psalm 18. Psalm 18 starts with this superscript. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And if you trace that psalm along, you'll see it's, it's pretty much the same psalm. In verse 3, because there's a superscript, you'll see, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from my enemies. The, the psalm has a context. It, ha it has this person that, that's been so moved by the Spirit to write these songs and sing them to the Lord. It has a history and a context. Each psalm is prayed or sung by someone who's actually experiencing life. But that's often where we, we stop with the book of Psalms. And that doesn't actually seem to be the main point of why uh, the book of Psalms has come together the way it, it has. It gives some interesting background, gives some interesting context uh, to the song. But if we were to only look at that level, it would be like my neighbor bringing me this quilt, and I immediately go to that one drawer in our kitchen, getting out the scissors and cutting up all the quilt, putting all the pieces that are the same together and go, can you tell me the history of how you got these pieces? She would have probably looked at me like sideways, like, what did you just do? You've ruined the quilt. Now, she might tell me the story, well, that's actually my great-grandpa's uh, shirt that I cut up. And I'm like, oh, that's super interesting. But I missed the point of, of the quilt. Are you, are you following along with me? Everyone just nod your head yes if you're following. Okay. So, so we don't want to do that. If we just stopped there, we would ruin the quilt. Even though all the pieces, all the psalms have this context, the person who wrote them uh, out of these emotions and uh, theology with the Lord and driven by the Spirit, there's something more going on there because somebody has stitched these psalms together. So let's look at that. Number two, the scenes. 
the organization or the structure, the seams, the stitching in the Psalms. Now, we don't know exactly when the date of the, the Psalms, the book of Psalms, like we have it, came together. There's no like one specific date, but there's a consensus among almost all scholars uh, who believe of this time period where it had to be uh, put together. And we know that it had to be after the Babylonian uh, captivity because one of the Psalms was written in Babylon. So either in Babylon or just after, and there's a consensus that it's all after. Uh, so about 300 B.C. to about 200 B.C., uh, it's called the second, second Temple Period. It's when the temple was, was remade. They had all these uh, scraps and psalms that they had sung and prayed to the Lord over and over, that each generation picked up these psalms and said, yes, this is my prayer too. And it became the prayer, the heart of the people, even through exile in Babylon when they had no temple. And so these priests, or this group of priests, we're not sure exactly, this group of priests sets all these psalms out like uh, like my grandma would do on the guest bed uh, in the guest room. And they laid them all out, and, and as my grandma would often arrange the things before she put them together, uh, the, the priest arranged all these psalms in, in a certain way, and then we see their fingerprints. We see their stitching, actually, all through the book of Psalms. Uh, if you have your Bible open to Psalms, or you can open it now, uh, open your Bibles to Psalms. And look at the very first words that you see there. You, you see them in your Bible? The very first words. And if you would say, blessed, you'd be close, but that's actually not the first words in the book of Psalms. Uh, and if you think, well, it's the title of uh, the wicked and the way of the wicked and the way of the blessed, that, that, that's just interpreters and translators trying to help us out, giving us a summary of the chapter. You have to go just above that. Do you see it? Just above that, it says, book one. Book one. That's actually the first words of the book of Psalms. Book one. And we actually find in the arrangement, if you go along, you would see that there are five books. Someone's arranged the book of Psalms into five books. So we say the book of Psalms, but it's actually the books of Psalms because there's five books. And they've arranged them in this way as to be a reflection of the Torah, the first five books of Moses. And if you go through, you'll see that it's not arranged chronologically or by genre or mood or like a hymn book. It's arranged like a Torah, instructions. It's arranged like a, like a book of instructions from the Lord to mankind. And we see the stitchings in the seams of these books as well. If you have your Bibles, just, we'll, just flip, we'll just flip through these real quick. The end of book one is in Psalm 41, in verse 13, and it says this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen? And amen. Yeah, that's good. You get to book two then, right after that, in uh, Psalms 42, and that goes to uh, Psalm 73. But at the end of book two, in verse 19, it says this, Blessed be the glorious name forever. May his glorious name be forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen? And amen. Yeah. There's, so whoever's compiled these together is giving like this benediction uh, to it. Amen and amen. Let it be. The end of book three then is in Psalms 89. The, uh, book four begins with Psalm 90. At the end of book three, Psalm 89, verse 52, it says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Then you get to book four, the end of book four. 
Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And where you're expecting to see Amen and Amen, he goes, Wait a minute, something else is coming. And then you get to the end of book five, and you actually don't find an Amen and Amen. You find a Praise the Lord. Whoever's put this together has put it together in a purposeful design and pattern, and you see the stitching uh, all throughout it. Instead of amen and amen, what you find at the end of the the book of Psalms in book 5 is actually a conclusion to the whole book in Psalms 146 to 150. 146 to 150. Uh, In this, we we find something called an inclusio. An inclusio is just like a fancy word to mean like mile markers or bookends. Uh, It starts one thing and goes to the other thing, and everything in the middle is a unit or together. It's complete. Inclusio. Uh, and so what we find here in 146 to 150 is a bunch of inclusios, a bunch of, these are one unit together. In 146, verse 1, it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Two times praise the Lord. And look at the end of chapter 146. It ends with praise the Lord. 147, chapter 147 says, praise the Lord. and ends with Praise the Lord. You guessed it. Let's try again. 149. Oh, what did we do? 148? 148. Praise the Lord at the beginning. At the end, praise the Lord. 149. It starts with praise the Lord and ends with praise the Lord. Hey, you're getting the hang of it. 150. It begins with praise the Lord and ends with praise the Lord. Yeah, it ends with let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. To praise the Lord. 146 starts with two praises the Lord, praises to the Lord, and 150 ends with two praises the Lord, and everything in between is praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's like this inclusio that's within an inclusio. The whole thing is a conclusion to the book of Psalms. So if you just read Psalms this afternoon in like four hours, because that's probably how long it takes you to read it, and you get to the end, what is the person who arranged the Psalms, what do they want you to do? Praise, yes, we're getting there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We'll also see in a couple weeks that there is a clear uh, structure to it. There's a clear conclusion to the book of Psalms. But we'll also see there's a clear introduction. And those introductions are like uh, two gates into this whole Psalter. And when you see uh, Psalm 1 and 2 put together and opened up, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and it opens us to the kingdom of the Psalms. We'll look at that in a couple weeks. Now, we could spend hours observing all of these stitchings uh, within the Psalms, uh, the superscripts, the, the, the extra little lines they put in that brings it into the community uh, piece of it. The, the, whoever arranged the Psalms, they're not trying to hide. Uh, and I could show you multiple times. They're not trying to hide like, ha-ha, secret, I didn't really put this together. They're all over the place, and you see it. There's this is a purpose, and there's an... There's an organization to the book of Psalms. And and the reason that they're not even trying to hide is because they're trying to point you to a greater image or a greater pattern that is there that if you observe the whole that you would see. So that's the third thing I want to show you, this pattern or this picture that emerges in the Psalms. It's got one purpose, and that purpose is to show us Jesus. It's the old Sunday school answer, Jesus. Psalms is all about Jesus. But when most of us go to read Psalms, we want to look for ourselves. We want 
some healing or comfort in it. And so we go to the Psalms, how does this speak to me? And sometimes we miss the greater image that Jesus, the divine, came down to live as man. On the day that Jesus resurrected, uh, the very first thing that Jesus did, resurrected, the, the firstborn of the new creation, and, and anything he could do, and what he does is he takes his disciples and opens the book of Psalms to them and says, look, it's all about me. And it blows their minds. Luke 24 and verse 44. This is Jesus. On the day he's resurrected, he has a Bible study with his disciples. That he doesn't go like, oh, and now we're going to do a bunch of New Testament stuff. He goes, no, let me show you the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and how it points to who I am and what I had to do. Luke 24 and 44. Then he, Jesus, said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the Torah, the beginning first five books, the prophets... And the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. They would never read Psalms the same way after that Bible study. Jesus takes them through the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and says, do you see the Messiah, the story of this one who is, comes to his own, is forsaken in a pit, and is raised up in the right hand of the king? Do you see the story? He brings them to the, the Psalter, the Psalms, and goes, let me open it for you and show you. The, the image, the picture of Psalms is about me. It's about Jesus. Peter, one of his disciples, was in that Bible study on the book of Psalms that day. And it was only 50 days later that on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up in front of all of Israel. And to convince Israel that Jesus was who he said he was, he quotes from the Psalms. He says, you, you've missed it. We've read it for so long, but you've missed it. And now Jesus is here. And if you if you're, would see, have your eyes opened and you would understand it was about Jesus. In, in fact, when we read Psalms uh, 16, we often think that's the psalm we read at the beginning uh, of this. It, it's, it's beautiful. But when Peter read it, he goes, that's about Jesus. He saw Jesus, not David. He saw the whole picture. He had the key to these ancient gates to the, the book of Psalms. Now, let me just read part of his sermon to you uh, to show you that this isn't, this isn't my words coming up with this. This is uh, not only Jesus' words, but the disciples' words, the New Testament writers as well. In Acts 2 and verse 22, uh, the great sermon by Peter on Pentecost, he said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him and in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. We see this. We know this. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my, my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, 
My heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwells in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Psalms 16. Jesus is risen and alive and you didn't even see it. But it's right there. Psalm 16. His conclusion is this, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us to this day. He's dead. His body is corroded. It can't be about David. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he has not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. To convince all of Israel of who Jesus said he was, that he was the Messiah, Peter quotes from the Psalms. He, he does a couple more times as well. The, the Psalms is the story of humanity found in the person of Jesus. Uh, if, if we had time, uh, which we'll see pieces of this over the next couple months, if we had time, we would see that the Psalms give meaning to so many things in the New Testament. It gives meaning to the birth of Jesus, the, the uh, announcement of his birth, the baptism the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus' role as this priest and king, his triumphal entry that we'll see next week, his betrayal, his agony in the garden, the crucifixion, the resurrection, even the replacement of Judas is found in the Psalms. That's how they knew how to do that. Even the ascension of Jesus, all found in the Psalms. Psalms is the story of the divine coming down to humanity and living in flesh to rescue humanity and make a way back to God. The book of Psalms is a roadmap for life. Now, Bruce Waltke, so if you have an NIV Bible, his name will be in it because he's the one that uh, interpreted uh, both the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms in the NIV a long time ago. He's a Hebrew professor. He said this. He said, to find yourself in the Psalms is to find yourself in Christ not as man going to divine, but as the divine coming down in man, and Psalms is his story. It's Jesus' story, and it's the story of the gospel. So, that, so then if we find ourselves in Psalms, we're almost stepping into Christ of what it means to live as a human on earth and relating to our creator, our God. To find yourself in the Psalms is to find yourself praying the very same things that Jesus prayed when he was uh, tempted, when he was going through the worst day you can imagine. It's this roadmap for each one of us. He, he dealt with all the temptations and struggles and betrayals that we go through every day here. We do not have a Savior who is unsympathetic to what you're going through. In fact, he's lived it and he's even taught you how to, to live through it yourself. That's why the book of Psalms is so appealing. That's why it gravitates people in, because in them we find ourselves. But it's not ourselves that we find. We find ourselves in Christ, who then 
shows us what it means to fully live as a human. It's not about a king who 3,000 years ago said a prayer or wrote a song. It's actually uh, that Jesus prayed these prayers. That's what moves us. Well, as we close, we're going to enter into a time of uh, communion in just a minute. Uh, But I want to share a challenge with you over these next couple of months. Uh, Dale uh, Smith actually shared this challenge with the elders a a few weeks ago. He showed us this study in the biblical engagement uh, study. Uh, They surveyed 400,000 people over the entire uh, world, uh, Christians from all over. And what the difference between those who profess Christ and actually lived it, they lived a radically different life, and those who said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but didn't didn't see the victory in their life and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, And they said it comes down to the power of four. And this is very easy to remember, the power of four. They said the difference between those two groups of people is the people who spent at least four times in their Bible every week. Four times. That they, they step into God's Word, and then that God's Word shapes them from within. So it changes who they are. And so my challenge for you over these next couple of months, uh, spend at least four days in the Psalms. You, you will find yourself in Christ. And as you begin speaking, that Psalm 16 was in my heart all week. And things I noticed, even the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. We're, we're, about, we're about to experience the chosen portion in the cup. But then it's like the, it changes. He, he's telling you, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. It, it puts you in the... the Sandals of Jesus, even on that day, you, you hold my lot. Not my will, but your will be done. Well, spend some time. Memorize some scripture. It'll always go with you then. Uh, that song is called Corner Room, and they sing a whole bunch of psalms. Shane and Shane, there's a whole bunch of groups that sing the psalms. It's a great way to memorize and enter into those psalms. But spend at least four times this week. Mark them out in your calendar. Do something four times where you're in God's Word to meditate on it, to memorize it, to read it, to sing it over and over and over again. Well, that brings us to a time of uh, communion. And I actually want to say we, we switch. We normally do it at the beginning of the month, but we have a bunch of things coming up uh, this month. But also we have the kids in the service with us uh, during this time. And one of the things for communion, I think it's so precious, it's not that we have the adults all together and the kids somewhere away and we celebrate communion together, but even as the Passover meal was there, the kids were involved in that. And there's actually the question, it's almost the kids are like almost in the middle of it as they ask over and over again, what does this mean? What does this mean? And it gave a chance for uh, the uh, parents or siblings or friends to answer, this is what it means. This is what it means to me. This is what it means... Uh, to your father, your mother, your sister. You know, the question, what does this mean, uh, hopefully would spark up in the kids. So that's why we want kids in service with us even. As they go, this is kind of a funny tradition. What's this mean? And hopefully even for parents, it'll allow us a chance uh, later on to go, this is what it means. It's about the blood and the body of Christ. He is our chosen portion in our cup. 
He holds our lot. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. I want to pray uh, over that. So do we have the, um, oh yeah, come on up. You can just stand up here and then I'll um, pray over the elements and then we'll pass them out. And while, um, and while they're being passed out, uh, what's going to be on the screen is going to be that Psalm 16. Um, the Lord is our cho- chosen portion and our cup. He holds our lot. Let me pray. Lord, what a beautiful inheritance you have given us. Through the death and resurrection of your son, through his body and blood shed, that we can be forgiven and set free. That it doesn't matter uh, the history of anyone who's come here. Lord, if they've never walked with you up until this point and they want to wholly surrender over to you, Lord, the gates are wide open and the grace upon grace is upon them that in repentance and humility we find salvation in you. That it doesn't matter our past, we can be covered with your grace because of the death of Jesus. It serves as a substitute because we really deserve it. Our sins are, are horrible. They're rebellion against you and your ways. But Lord, uh, when we can find ourselves in you, when we've been buried with you in Baptism, when we're raised to new life through you, Lord, we find a whole new uh, community, a whole new kingdom that we belong to. And Lord, as we, uh, as we pass out the elements and think about our chosen portion and our cup, Lord, would we, uh, would we be speaking to you and saying, you hold our lot. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think often there's a, like a solemnness to the Lord's Supper, but you think the last supper that the Lord had, I'm sure it was a little bit chaotic and confusing and loud uh, and community-based as Jesus, during the meal, took the bread and he broke it. And so if you would, would you just take that little piece of bread, even break it, I know it's small, just break it, because that represents Christ's body broken for you. So take eat in remembrance of him. And after the meal, he took the cup. And he said, this cup represents the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And then the very next thing Matthew tells us is that they sang a a psalm as they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's pray. Lord, as we come... As your people, we can only find our hope and our inheritance in you. And so I pray that if there's anyone here today who is lost and doesn't know uh, where they are in you, Lord, that they would come, they would uh, lay down their sins, their burdens to you and receive salvation, that they would be found in you. And Lord, that those of us who are in you, Lord, that we would, the words uh, that you prayed, that you sang, that were on your hearts, that they would be on our hearts throughout the week as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. 
Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.